0: We have the legendary fashion icon, the godfather of urban streetwear, joining me here on the show here tonight. But goes by the name of Carl Kanai on yeah. Sports and Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max, Light iHeart iHeartRadio. Carl Kanai, I'm sagging in my what? Carl Kanai, as said by Redman, on what it looked like. What's there going on, go. man? Welcome to the show. How's life right now?
1: Everything's love. Everything's good. Just out here in L.A., working, um, chilling out right now. So everything's good.
0: How's it feel to be back out in L.A.? Because this is the place where you would eventually get the store out there with AZ.
1: Yeah, you know, L.A. has been our stomping grounds. You know, we came out here in 89 to start the company. Came out here with a bag, pocket full of dreams and no money and a lot of straight focus. And We had a job to do, and every day we woke up with the same energy to accomplish our goals.
0: And eventually, when relaunching the brand, you took it back home to Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, you always got to take it back home. You know, Brooklyn is where streetwear started. It started in the park, in East New York, Brooklyn, by us making our own clothing and not being represented in the fashion world. You know, we wanted to go out there and change the way the world looked at each and every one of us in regards to fashion. So we had two choices. You can complain about things. You go out there and make things happen. We decided to go out there and, you know, make put our boots on and make things happen.
0: You have been. You've been making things happen. And I really when I look at the line, just everything that you've been able to relaunch over the years, because I noticed that 90s fashion is back in style right now. But you, the fact that you're able to recreate a lot of the pieces that you had out in the 90s, like the Tupac hoodie.
1: Yeah, you know, it's like fashion is timeless. And some of the stuff that we've done in the back in the days, we were the first ones to do it. You know, we created the whole baggy jean look, the, the, the complete sets. You know, the ensemble matching your hat, your sneakers, your bags together, you know, those things were created by us. So it's good to see it resurfacing again 30 years later. So we're onto something really good right now. Now it's time to take it to a whole other plateau now.
0: I heard that Baggy's back in fashion right now. I'm a big baggy guy. I've never into the skinny jeans, the tight wear. I really don't get it being from the tri-state area. When did you notice that the skinny era was really taking it over? Was it with Lil Wayne, skinny pants, fresh pair of Vans? When did you start to notice where skinny started to take over?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think Lil Wayne, you know, he was the first, you know, hip hop artist that really endorsed skinny jeans on a national level. And, you know, hip hop artists has a major influence on culture. So the fact that he wore it, other guys probably were thinking about wearing it, but didn't know it was cool to wear it, right? So by him wearing it, it made it cool to wear it. So that trend just kind of took a life of its own for a period of time. But skinny jeans have been around, but it just wasn't in the forefront of streetwear culture. So now it had its run right now. So I think it was a good run, a good change of climax for a minute.
0: What's the new trends for 2023 that you've noticed so far that you're going to have the pulse on here and and launching in your line eventually here?
1: Yeah, I think simplicity is really happening right now. People want simple items with good, great quality, not too much big logos on stuff, and more quality driven. And I think in terms of designer, that's kind of more of our sweet spot because, you know, we've always started off with heaviest fabrics, great quality, great cuts, great fits. So once fashion gets back to that level, I think true designers will stand out again. And that, to me, is more healthy for the business when people are able to really expand on the ideas and become... One within themselves and design stuff for a full collection, which is really the future. Mm-hmm.
0: Especially today, where everything is so just oversaturated with people starting their own clothing lines today. What do you think really separates a person who just makes clothes from a designer such as yourself? When we look at today, because everyone's dropping their own t-shirts, you see it. Every they have their own brands now. What separates one from another in today's day and age?
1: Well, you know, first of all, let me say this: like you know, everyone has the right if they want to start yeah. their own. You know what I'm saying? The teacher zone. You know, I mean, who who am I? Who, who's anybody to tell someone that they can't be a fashion designer? Now, whether it's going to work or not is a whole different story. But I, everyone should go out there and do what they got to do. But I will tell you this, like designing is such an emotional connection thing that like, you got to be so true to it. And you got to be designed from the heart and from the gut and really have a story to tell and a color palette. And you could really see true designers. The designing is almost like telling a story with your line. You know, you have to have your shirts, your T-shirts, your hats, your flat shirt, your woven shirt, your sweaters. Everything has to kind of come together and tell a story. And that's what really designing is all about, by coming out with new collections for fall, for spring, for holiday, things like that. So a lot of people dip and dab in the fashion business. But I would tell you this. It's a very expensive business to be in, to make it. So most people would probably dip and dab and leave it alone after a while when they see how expensive it is to really sustain in this business and to be profitable.
0: No, you're right about that. And and just thinking about it, because when you look at all these brands, and I appreciate brands of you because you've been an innovator since the beginning. There was no one before you. We always say that in the street where you are the guy when it comes to that. But when you start looking at some of the prices of these luxury brands that are really out there, when you look at Burberry, I mean, $2,000 for a hoodie, give me a break. Do you think that a lot of these luxury brands outprice themselves?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, brands on a price of sales appropriate to the what they think the consumer is willing to pay for it. So a lot of these brands are surviving through the power of hip-hop. You know, when artists starts screaming out names and songs, the price ticket goes up on those items. So, you know, we've still got the power. And I think it's cool for guys to rock some of the high-end brands if that's what they feel is going to create the image the way they want. Because, you know, we all do it. You know, we all want to show off. We all want to stunt. It's all part of the game. But I think, you know, by just kind of mix, mixing it up a little bit, you know, with streetwear designers, high-end designers, spread the love a little bit amongst designers, I think is the way to go because, those high-end luxury brands really have no um, loyalty to the streets or loyalty to the street consumer because you got to think, back in the days when we first started, none of these designers was messing with hip-hop artists at all, not one, because they didn't want to be associated with hip-hop because no one thought back in 1989, 1991 that hip-hop would be what it is today, you know what I'm trying to say? So just be mindful of the brands that you represent and how much they really want to give back to the community and get back to you as a person as well before you start yelling their names for free.
0: Exactly. And a, a important question that I wanted to ask you here today is, why do you think, despite when you have Gucci with the blackface and the racism that these luxury brands show at times, why do you think that artists still keep going back to them, even though, like you said, they really don't respect hip-hop and they don't respect these artists, why do they continue to wear their clothes or promote their clothing?
1: You know, they got this famous saying that people always want what they can't get. You know what I'm saying? So I think it sounds like a it's almost like a impulse thing. It's almost like an image thing. So like, you know, if I'm rocking certain these brands, people feel like I have money. So like, you know, my, my rap lyrics will come through more clear to people and stuff like that. So everyone has their own reasoning for wanting to rock some of these brands. And I think artists out there are a lot smarter right now. They understand it's just a game. And they're just using these brands as well, too, to build these brands, to build up their prestige, the ensemble to the public. And, you know, clothing does kind of, Separate you from other people right so if you're wearing fly clothing you know um people respect you and you know i gotta think about when we first started like with carl can i like we had everyone from tupac biggie nas dr dre Sue,
0: heavy d public carl. enemy
1: yeah they all wearing can i wearing this metal plates so that's that that was a statement right and so by them wearing it, it it valued and put more value onto the clothing things like that the only difference to me and these other designers is that we embrace the culture. We embraced hip-hop and we helped the artists use the, use the platform of fashion to increase their popularity worldwide, do our international distribution in Japan and Europe and Switzerland and Amsterdam. So it's kind of worked twofold for each other. So we're from the streets, rappers are from the streets, and so the combination to developing fashion was a great um, connection to have
0: and just learning about your story, we have something in common here because I grew up in a black neighborhood and I actually went to Catholic school. So how was your experience in Catholic school? Because you've spoke about it before when you were being with the five percenters. They would be throwing your five percenter papers out when you were younger. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, you know, Catholic school to me was a great experience for me because, you know, honestly, like so we. Uh, grew up in East New York and the Catholic school that I went to was in Canarsie, Brooklyn. So, you know, Canarsie is an all-white neighborhood. So I was able to get out of my community and go to a school. And we were around different cultures. We were around Asian kids, white kids, black kids. And I think being young and being around different cultures, it helps embrace you for the journey in your life going on, going on for that. Because, you know, we understand that nothing really separates us. No one's smarter than everybody. We're all human beings, right? So by us being able to navigate that, and graduate from Catholic school really helped us a lot because we were a little ahead of the game than a lot of the kids who we went to public school in my area.
0: Mm-hmm. When you when you were coming up during this time, especially in high school, how do you think you were able to infiltrate when I'm talking about as far as the demographics go? Because with me studying what the kids were wearing when I was in high school, they were wearing Vineyard Vines, all these preppy brands. How can we can get certain People from different races, like white kids, preppy white kids, to really buy into urban streetwear. How do you think you could really dominate that? Is it, it impact the impact of hip hop that could make white kids from suburban areas and high-profile areas buy into? Carl Can I? You think hip hop is a big uh, factor in that?
1: Absolutely. I feel like hip hop definitely played a big role in it. I felt like when we first came out, fashion was very stale. There wasn't anything cool in fashion happening at the time there were any cool clothing ads. You know, a lot of the ads are just old and stale. It didn't represent the community for sure. It wasn't any young, cool people in any ads. We were the first ones to start making advertisement cool. When we did our full page ads and source and vibe and our billboards and our commercials, we embraced street real culture. So I feel like, you know, there's so many opportunities out there right now. And once you be real to what you are and real to the culture, things are just going to come your way. And that's why with our brands, like, we were the first ones. And no other designer could ever say, hey, you know, we started Streetwear before Carl Kanai's. It's not factual at all. And everyone knows that.
0: No, absolutely. Trend are out here for sure. But this all goes back to when you were going to the tailor with your father because you wanted the Lee jean suit. You wanted it in your own way. And you were like, "Nah, I want it this way. So that's when you really got your creativity on and that it all eventually transpired and you would be in a designer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, my dad used to get his clothes made by a tailor. My dad's a Panamanian. I was born in Costa Rica. So he used to go to the Lancy Street, buy his fabric and bring it back to Flatbush to our tailor, get his clothes made. So I used to watch the process. So me and all my friends, we always shop all the time and we used to out, try to outdress each other. So if I found something fresh, I wouldn't tell you where I got it from. You know what I'm saying? So like, I didn't want you to have it. So I thought about, I thought about my dad's tail. I was like, man, if I make an outfit with this tailor, none of these kids will have it on. So that's really what inspired me is I wanted to be different. And by me making that outfit and wearing it, a lot of kids and the to say, yo, where'd you get it from? Where'd you get it from? So you know I'm not going to give up the idea about this. tailor us. I said, if you want, but I'll make you one. So literally, that's how streetwear started. I started making it clothes for myself and then for my friends. And it just took the life of its own from there.
0: Mm-hmm. And then when they see your clothing on the street, the, the girl goes up and tries to check out the jacket. and She said, how come your name isn't on it? And that's when it hit for you that, I got to start getting my own name on these clothing that I'm making.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I was just making clothing. The last thing in my mind was being a fashion designer or building a brand. Because, you know, I tell people all the time, it takes one person that looks like you to achieve success on a certain level to make you feel like if he could do it, I could do it. And before Carl Kanai, was there wasn't any other person from the streets who had a clothing brand. So we could say, y'all want to be like this guy, right? So with Carl Kanai, we made and influenced so many kids out there to make them feel like, yo, this guy's from Brooklyn. He talks like that. He came from the streets. He could build a clothing empire. I want to be like him. I want to do it too. And hence, that's what the Magic Show is all about. By us being successful, it opened up the doors so for so many other people to come up in there and start their own clothing brand.
0: And you've spoken about it before. Mike Tyson was the first real big guy to really take on your clothing that you saw.
1: Yeah, you know, he bought it from Simon's in Brooklyn. It was one of the first stores we sold to in Brooklyn, Brownsville, Brooklyn. Mike Tyson went there, and bought it. It was the first celebrity that I met actually wearing my clothing. So it was really cool to meet him and to, for him to rock my clothing. He meant so much. Cause I, I used to idolize that dude. And this is a boxer just coming from Brooklyn, and this is success. So, you know, we all, inspired so many of us. So for him to start wearing my clothes just came back second fold to me. It was a great, great, great time to see that happen on full scale.
0: He Used to invite you over to dinner a lot, especially got to see his tiger.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. So, you know, we did hot boxing with Mike, and I had to remind him of the story. So, we go by his house and um in Vegas. First, he's come by a booth. He's like, "Hey, man, I got my cook cooking tonight. You guys are gonna come by." He said, like, "Yeah, Mike, we'll come by." He'll come by again three hours later to make sure we're coming by his house that night. He said, like, "Mike, we're coming. We're coming." So We go to his house. The first thing he says, "Hey, you guys want to see my tigers?" We're like, "Yeah." He's like, come on. So we go in his garage. He has three, no, it's two or three white tigers in the garage, right? They're like cubs, but they can still bite the shit out of you, right? <laughs> and Mike leaves us. He says, hey, I'll be right back. He leaves us in the garage with the tigers. And we're like sitting there, and you know, we try to act, we from Brooklyn, we all tough and shit. So like, we just sit there like frozen. We're not moving. And one of the tigers is growling, right? I'm, like, damn. He's like, fucking Mike left. So as soon as Mike comes back in the door, we turned around, started walking towards Mike. Like, Mike, where were you? He said, stop. He don't ever turn your back on Tigers. They'll attack you and kill you. He was like, yeah, Mike, okay, find time to tell us that after you just left us in (laughs) here.
0: It was like the hangover before the hangover. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: That was so crazy. So that was was a fun experience with him, though. And luckily we got out of there with no bite marks or anything like that, so it was cool.
0: Yeah, I did hear that you, you guys met at a basketball event. I think it was with Diddy. He was putting on a big basketball event.
1: Yeah, it was with Diddy and Heavy D, and that's when a lot of people died. Uh, it was a event in, uh, in Manhattan, and so people got trampled in the staircase, and we, we were just in that same staircase literally like 15 minutes before that happened. So it was a very unfortunate event, but that's the event where Mike Tyson pulled up and had on one of my outfits. Yeah, And you
0: also introduced, speaking of Mike Tyson because of the whole Don King connection, you introduced Don King the Fat Joe, and that eventually landed a performance for him in Pun.
1: Yeah, so yeah, we were meeting with, with uh, Don King down in uh, Miami about some business stuff, and Don King wanted us to come by his uh, his office into his house, and Don King invited us out to lunch, and so it's the first time we really hung out with Don King. He's like, "Yo, we hanging out with major Don King. This is gonna be dope. We are about to go to lunch." And Don, King, we we jumped in his Benz. We're like, "Okay, where are we going?" He's like, "Hey, I want to take you guys by my house. We're gonna stop and get lunch on the way to the house." We say, "Cool." We like, we think we're about to go ball out lunch. Then Don King pulls up to Kentucky Fried Chicken in a drive-thru. And he oh, scurits you
0: out the bucket.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he buys a bucket of chicken and has, has it in between his legs as he's driving. and asks us how much chicken we want, gives us a napkin, starts hanging the chicken out in the car. I was like, I cannot believe this was dinner. Man. This is crazy. But it was a good experience hanging out with him, though. So from that, I mentioned to him that Fat, I knew Fat Joe, and I wanted to introduce him to Fat Joe, and Fat Joe came, now I met him. And that's how I got Felix Trinidad to perform at the fight. The Tino-Trinidad the fight, they performed. They opened up the show and performed for him,
0: yeah. Big time. That's hip-hop history right there. Yeah, for
1: sure. Especially
0: yeah. your friendship with Kanye, because you met him around the time through The Wire, and you you this is when you had Can I Life Records going on. You wanted to get the two artists that you were pushing at the time aff- affiliated with Kanye. So I, I heard about him telling you that I want to be like the Jay-Z of fashion. And you're also yeah. a manifester yourself when you i mean behind the name when we look at it can i because this was a question that you're always asking yourself can i do this and can yeah, i right. achieve this can i have this big fashion brand did you see a little bit of yourself and kanye when you were hearing these statements come out of his mouth which eventually manifested
1: a million percent i mean the guy he just whatever he said he just made it happen and you know it's like i was literally with him before he started anything about Yeezy line about anything but he knew what he wanted he said to me I want to be bigger than Jay-Z in fashion. I want to be like, when I put something on, I want everyone to want to wear what I wear. I want people to run and wear what I want to wear. And He knew what he wanted. He definitely experienced that full set of power. And I'm a total believer in the power manifestation of talking things to existence. So any man who believes in that, you know, I give it up to them on that level right there because that's such a powerful tool to have in your arsenal.
0: Mm-hmm. It's something that the biggest obstacle you did face in relation to all this that we're talking about right now is that getting people to believe in you when did you start to see that what was the moment like people really believe in the brand because you've had so many instances throughout your life whether it's hip-hop artists embracing you the collaborations with sketchers the cross colors thing i heard all about it what, what was the moment that you felt that the people started to be, actually believe in you
1: i believe like you know you got i'm gonna take you back to like 92 93 when Our Clothes was featured on Yo! MTV Raps with Dr. Dre and Ed Lover and Tupac came on there wearing Carl Kanai. That's when it really became real because keep in mind MTV was like in every household back then. You had to watch have M- MTV and BET. This is before social media, before cell phones. So people were really stuck and glued to their TV at the time. And for us to have, you know, whole hours worth of people wearing our stuff in the videos, artists mentioned my name in their songs, Biggie, Aaliyah, Monte Jordan, Redman, Red Mob Red Deep. Man, Mob Deep, you know, the list goes on and on. So, all these things happened organically. It wasn't no paid endorsements, paid advertising. They wore it because it was real. They wore it because of this culture. It was more because the brand is legit. And you can't get more legit than that. Like, you can't ever have the conversation about streetwear without saying Falcon and I first. Like, you got to keep in mind, this whole street, right it started from somewhere, right? So you just can't say it just always existed. No, it didn't always exist. It started from somewhere. So let's go back to the roots of where it started and then you can have a, a good conversation from there.
0: And when we really look at it, you were the one to be the trendsetter. No doubt about it when we look at you, all the accomplishments that you had. But I, I wanna really take this into the hip hop conversation of your relationship with Tupac because I've heard the hotel story. He wasn't even looking at you. He was typing up the script. That, just a follow up question on the script. Do you have uh, any idea what the script was for what movie he was doing? Do, do, do you have any clue when you look at it as far as the time frame goes?
1: I do not. He didn't. He did not share that with me. And again, Tupac is a Gemini, just like myself. So we're it was a whole feel out session in the room for a minute there. You know, we both. Uh, you know, everyone is like you think everyone's the most confident, overbearing person in the world. You know, a lot of times people work themselves up to that. So it took a moment for us to break the ice, and I think. Once room service came and I finally broke the question to him, the ice was broken. And then Tupac, he visual, he visually directed the whole photo shoot campaign within seconds, right there in the room. Everything he said was going to happen, happened. And again, he's a Gemini too. Kanye's a Gemini and Tupac's a Gemini. It's about Geminis, right? So yeah. he told me I want to do an ad, I want to do it in Harlem, and I want to be on top of a basketball rim in Harlem. And... He said, and I want to do some with thug life shooting dice in front of bodega. He had it all thought out and everything he said happened It was most, uh, most iconic campaign that we've done.
0: Absolutely. When you look at the photos, you see everything that came to life there. And even a big thing was when he talked about, he felt the heat of the bullet piercing to his call. Can I draw? Is when he was shot at Qua Studios in New York?
1: Yeah, that was, uh, that one kind of bugged me out a little bit. I mean, like, that was his first interview in Vibe magazine that he did when he got out of jail. I mean, after he got shot. And the fact that he put together Carl Kanai and the draws and the pierce in the heat of the bullet, that was like, you know, product placement 101. You know what I'm saying? And Pop didn't have to do that. But again, he didn't do it for any promotional purposes. He did it because it's real. And it's, this, is, this is a legit story. This is the way that it happened. And the bullet. Went through his Carl can I drawers, and that's yeah. just some It's legit, you know.
0: And Biggie too. He was wearing the Carl can I jeans.
1: Yeah, he mentioned it in the song, and one, yeah. more, uh, "One More, One More chance. chance." He says, "So recognize my dick size and my Carl can I jeans and work 13s You know what I mean? I mean that was legit too. Like, you know, I didn't know Biggie was going to do that, and he did it. that was nothing but love for him for doing that for me. You know, it's like, but again, it was one of those things where there was no thought to it because that's. He rapped about his real life, what he did, what the clothes was about, and that's what he wore. So it was just legit. And
0: then he goes to you, where's your, where's my free clothes at? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing he said to me, the first day I met him. So I thought he was serious, too. I was like, damn, yeah, I don't have no clothes in my back pocket, but I got you, though. But uh, he was really cool about it, though. You know, Big definitely showed a lot of love, you know, coming from Brooklyn, just seeing us both come up together is just an amazing thing.
0: And speaking with, with Biggie, with the whole connection with Bad Boy, you, with the whole ad campaign, as far as the visuals go, Diddy was the one that really started to help set you guys off because this was way before even Diddy blew up with Bad Boy, I heard.
1: Yeah, so we did Diddy before a lot of people didn't know. Diddy was still at Uptown Records at the time, but uh, my my marketing manager mentioned Diddy to me, Puffy to me, and she said that, you know, we should also look for business owners, too music business models is going to be big. And she said she thinks he's going to be big. When I saw Puff, I felt like, and this is before he even launched Bad Boy, but something about him, he just felt like he was going to be successful. And I thought he'd be a great person to launch the line for us at Source Magazine. So him in an all-white outfit really kicked off our collection.
0: Oh, it did. And I actually have a photo here that I wanted to show you here today with with Diddy, too. Are we going to be getting the uh, uh, a jersey? Can I jersey <laughs>
1: again? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you definitely got to bring those back out for sure. Because yeah.
0: I'm, I'm a big Jersey guy, so I appreciate that. When I saw that, I looked on your website, I was like, man, I want that Kanai jersey.
1: Oh, I got you, bro. Just let me know, man. We got stuff in stash, too. So we got you on that.
0: Absolutely. And, and I'll, I'll be like Tupac, too. I don't want free clothing. I'll pay up. Trust me. <laughs> there, there's no charge in here. <laughs> support is support, man. Right. That's how it goes. But Aaliyah wearing it on the album cover, Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. I also have the picture here with you and Aaliyah. Do you remember what it was like that day between you and Aaliyah? Do you remember where this was?
1: Yeah, so that was in Brooklyn. As you can see in the background of that picture is the World Trade Center is actually in the background of that picture. So we're in Brooklyn. I don't know if your picture is clear and I'll send you a copy. The World Trade Center is in the background. So we had made that jacket for Aaliyah when she came out with her album One in a Million. So she actually wore that jacket for her promo for One in a Million. And she wore it on her tour and a lot of concerts. Aaliyah was the dopest person out. The energy was so real. We co-designed that jacket with her. She told us what color she wanted. I sketched some stuff out. Her and her mom was there. She selected this particular outfit. We laced it for her. And for her to wear my stuff on her album cover, her first album ever to come out when she wore Carl Kanai on it. I mean, it's like, you can't beat that. Like, you know, we'll... I gonna say the luckiest brand in the world, but the most legit brand in the world when it comes to hip hop culture, hip hop fashion, and just every icon from the 90s is more of my brand. So we're definitely blessed and we have a lot more to do and a lot more to continue to work hard for, for sure.
0: Michael Jackson, too. We, we got to touch on Michael Jackson wearing your clothes. Who was the person when you looked at it that was outside of hip hop in the urban community that you're like, oh, man, my brand is officially this is worldwide now. This is globe. This is bigger than hip hop in an urban scene.
1: Um, if I had to say, hmm, interesting, good question. Somebody most recently, I would say, who's been wearing my stuff and she wore it in, her, in one of her top videos, Ariana Grande. I did see that. Yeah, she wore it in her song Every Day with Future. She has on my bubble coat through the whole video. And she's worn my stuff so many times. And again, Ariana Grande at the top of the food chain. I think she has the most Instagram followers between her and Selena Gomez. And for her to wear Carl Kanai, no paid endorsement. She just loves the brand, loves the energy, loves the quality. It's like you can't beat that. You know, just you can't get more legit than that.
0: No, you can't. And, and you, you, with everything with product placement, especially because these people, aren't, you aren't they're not sending them the clothes of course, but product placement was something that you had established back in the day and getting your start, especially with trying to get these hip-hop artists, their clothes, trying to get on MTV. But something that was real important in me doing my research was the Today Show. You got a friend to hold up the Carl Can I sign, and it brought the, the attraction in for you guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, sometimes when you don't have money and you're broke, your ideas, your mind starts to wander, like, how do I get on TV? And we didn't have the money to buy commercials, but I used to watch the Today Show every morning. And I used to want to feel like a businessman. I figured that's what businessmen do. They watch the news in the morning. So as I'm watching it, I'm seeing Al Roker out there and I see he's out there interviewing people and I see people out there holding up signs. Say, hey, mom, Betty, this is Benny from Louisiana. Hi, mom. I'm like, you just write anything you want and have a sign. Millions of people's gonna see it. I said, okay. I said, let me get, I'm going to get my friend. He wanted a job. I said, if you want a job, here's your deal. I'm paid $35 a day. I need you to get up to NBC, but you got to get there like 530 in the morning because you need to get a front row view to get the sign there, right? So what happened was everything was going good for a week straight. He's doing it. He's getting paid. Everything's good. Uh, People are seeing the brand. And um, one day he got there late. This is what messed it up. He gets there late, so he couldn't get to the front of the line. So he knows if I don't see the sign on TV, he's not going to get paid. So all you do is see this guy, all you see is arms jumping up and down. This can I sign on national TV? See somebody right, jumping up and down. A, can I sign? So the producers came up to him after the show and said, "Hey man, look, we know what you're doing. You can't be up here every day promoting any clothing brands. This is private property." So after that, you know, you got, we kind of had to stop going up there. But it, it got the point across because that enabled me to really secure my deal with Skechers at the time. So it was, it was all a job well done.
0: I, I did hear about that, that the CEO of Skechers came, believed in your brand. And where did that eventually lead to? Do you still do business with Skechers to this day as far as the shoes? Because I know you got your own sneakers. Do you still have a partnership with them? Any relationship?
1: No, no. We ended our relationship back in 1997, um, uh 97, 98. 98. Um, the Skechers wanted to go public with the license that I gave them, and we couldn't come to terms on what I deserve from that situation like right, that. So I told them I'm going to go my own way. And they was like, fine, we're going to start sketches. So I was like, all right, cool. So we just both went our separate ways. It was all good. No love lost, but it was time to move on.
0: Yeah, no, the, uh, absolutely. Especially with the whole cross-color situation and your friends were making $17,000 a month and you were making just like the regular salary. You had yeah. to figure out that that the, the, the people there that you met at the Palladium, the the owners here, they were janking you. But you had to just think about it. They're going to get you. That's just how it is.
1: Hey, man, you know, this is the world of business. So, yeah. you know, and i learned in business, like businessmen, especially out here in L.A., they'll still be a friend, but they're going to take what they got. They gonna are take what they want from you and they'll still talk to you. You know, normally in New York, somebody robs you. They ain't going to be a friend tomorrow. No. they rob, rob you. These guys out here rob you. still want to pat you on your back and go to dinner. I couldn't understand. Like, how does that? It doesn't come together. It doesn't work out that way to me. So you have to learn the game out here to be poised, be focused. And still have that same street mentality. You got to take that same street mentality and apply it to business, because you know there's shops out here, and I've seen many designers get their brands taken from from uh, corporations, and kids build up brands. They take your logo, they take your trademark. So it's a ruthless world out here, man. You got to be ready for war.
0: Yeah, oh yeah you you gotta get be ready for war out here especially with people trying to steal the ideas and everything and, and speaking about the bootleggers back in the day you had to become your own detective in a way get the detectives involved because people were even creating the metal plates that you had with your with your name on them and putting them on the stuff and they were getting the clothes in from china I, it was crazy when i when i read up on all this that they were doing you it
1: was bananas man like you know our it was so hot like man we were Back then, we were doing almost like $80 million in sales in our second year of business. You know, the brand was hot, hot like a pistol, And these um, companies started copying our stuff and knocking it off and selling it everywhere. Gas stations, flea markets, everywhere. So we hooked up this guy from the DEA and he hooked us with somebody from the um, trademark trademark office who uh, follows up on the trademark infringements. And we were able to go out there and start confiscating some of these goods from some of these manufacturers. But what happened was the guy told us, They can't do the investigation for us, but if we do our own investigation and let them know what the product is, they can send the guys in to confiscate it. Because, you know, as a trademark owner, you don't have the rights to go into a store and take out counterfeit goods. Even though it's your brand and your name, you don't have legal rights. It's still robbery. You have to go through the proper channels to get the stuff confiscated. So that was the issue that we faced back then. So we had to have this connection in order to legally confiscate these
0: goods. I'll never understand that when you look at the bootleggers and people that sell fake merchandise, why would you want to buy it? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just like. Well, uh, it was
1: cheaper. It was cheaper. And, um, you know, a lot of kids probably couldn't afford the real deal. So it was a cheaper version of it. And, you know, people just gonna people wanted that name. So at, at any cost. So, you know, that's that's what happens when your brand is hot.
0: Absolutely. And, and you were smoking hot, and, and still are because you, you have a big following out in Europe and overseas. You, you, you do well overseas.
1: We're the number one streetwear brand. Yeah. In Europe right now. Uh, my partner Snipes over there is the number one streetwear retail in the world. They have now 300 stores here in the United States and 450 stores throughout Europe. And Kanai is the number one. Number We have the number two or three selling shoe in Europe right now. It's Nike, and we're number two and three between Adidas and Far Cry being the number two selling shoe right now. So it's not a game. We're number one over there. We've established in Europe what we've always wanted to do. We've become a household name. We just launched our cologne over there, and just the future is so bright right now, and um, we just really focus on bringing that same energy back to the United States.
0: With the US, I did want to ask you this question because you were in department stores back in the day as far as Macy's you were in three Macy's 34th Street. This This is something that you wish you were able to manipulate a little bit more because your employees were being taken from your own company and putting in these other companies and, and you, you want to understand that this is just business again, but something that was a complaint because you were next to Ralph and these other brands that were there, Tommy at the time, they didn't like the crowds that it was drawn. Do you feel as though that you, that can I, is it something that you want to have eventually happen? Do you want your store to go in with Ralph Lauren and all these things and Macy's, these brands and Macy's again, is that something that you're looking into?
1: Yeah. I feel like, you know, you know, once 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 the legitimate store is gonna carry a product correctly and don't um don't discount your goods, we should be next to Ralph. We should be Absolutely. next to Cal. we should be next to them. Why should they have that space for themselves? It doesn't make any sense. There's a consumer that's shopping in that store, and we need to be near that consumer in order to give our product a free chance to sell. But not everyone shops online. There's a lot of people who want to experience a shopping in a retail stores, so we need to be there. And... We broke down those barriers back in the days. They didn't even know where to put our product. They didn't think it was going to sell. They had no idea what the our brand was going to do. But when they seen the power of the brand, that's the reason why they expanded us in all those stores and we able to be around for so long. So yes, we should be next to those brands because you know, our quality is right there and we deserve it.
0: Mm-hmm. And I want to see it back in these, because I wasn't around to see it, but I want to see it back in there because it's just the the great quality clothing and just the icon, when we look at all the icons that have endorsed the brand, it, it deserves to be there. And, and you were a guy that were, was big in the polo back in the, when you were growing up because it was a status symbol. It was a lifestyle.
1: Yeah, that's right. You know, my friends, we, a lot of my friends used to go there and boost polo. My friend AZ worked for the polo store on 72nd of Madison. He used to come out there with bags full of polo. He used to bring polo back to the hood. So, you know, we couldn't afford the regular polo, but we could afford the AZ polo. He brought it out there selling it like, you know, three quarters the price off. So it kind of flooded us up with that. But it made us really experience quality. It made us really want that quality. And it made us want to strive for the best in life. And clothing does give you that feeling of striving for the best. And that's what fashion is about.
0: It does. With Polo, because it may just be me. But do you feel as though that, I mean, Polo, it's always going to be the astute brand that it is. But do you feel as though it's taken a few notches down because of these other luxury brands that are more, being sought out these days when we look at Montclair. Burberry. Do you feel, though, that polos, it's going down a little bit now? Do you feel as though?
1: You know, out of all the brands out there, there's any brand that I did respect, I respect polo. And I'll tell you why. I respect them because they never, they never change for the trends, right? They never adapt to where things are going. Polo has been the same forever, right? You've seen the same polo shirts, same, <laughs> same polo colors. sweater, same colors, the same, everything. Right. So that customer who buys polo knows when I go to polo what I'm going to get from polo. They know polo is not going to be streetwear tomorrow. Polo is not going to be this. They're going to be who they are. They're true to who they are. And you got to respect that, because once you have an identity, things will always come back your way. You cannot switch to trends and try to be what you're not in this business. You know, that that philosophy never lasts. and I think they got that. And that's really important.
0: No, it's something that you've spoken about that is important to just teaching everyone out there, especially who want to be a designer, is just, you got to own your trademark because once you sell the trademark, it's over.
1: Yeah, I mean, you trade, I mean, a good name is better than gold. Like, that is your asset. So a lot of times people get into these deals and say somebody says, hey, man, let's do a 50-50 partnership. And you're like, okay, that sounds good. But then they come to you say, hey, yeah, but you know, anything on the trademarks, I need to, let's do a 60-40 on the trademark ownership, because you know, I need my banks to kind of get behind it. You know, that's all. A, that's all the Willy Boba Because once they own a bigger percentage of your your marks, they can always bounce you out and take your marks from you. So I've seen that game being played plenty of times with people, and it's sad to see that happen. Somebody put so much energy into building something and get it snatched from underneath you. It's crazy
0: hmm. When we see all these other brands for you buy you back in the day, all these urban brands, Walker, Aware, all of them cross colors? Do you feel as though that because I actually asked Dapper Dan this, do you feel as though that they can make a comeback in this day and age? Do you feel as though because you still see them somewhere, but they're not looked at as that once as how they were in the 90s? Do you see that they can eventually make a comeback in some sort of way? Because I know you, you spoke about it where you guys weren't in competition because you were looking at the competition against Polo, Polo was your competition. Do you feel these yeah. other urban brands can make a comeback in this day and age?
1: Absolutely, you know, to me, no one could ever say, no one has a crystal ball to predict the future, right? Everything has a chance. Once they're still alive and they're healthy and they have the, 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 the energy to put something out new, you never know what could happen. Now, you gotta be able to adjust, you gotta be able to understand what the market is now, you gotta be clever about things. So, no, a good name is better than gold. If, you, if you're successful for it, there's no reason in the world why you can't try it again. But it ain't as easy today as it was back in the days to launch clothing brands. I think right now it's a lot more difficult than it was back then, in my opinion. I felt like back then it wasn't as many com- competition and you kind of could find a direction for your brand back then. Now, there's so much product out there, it's a little more harder to get your foot in the door. but. I would say those brands definitely have opportunity to do a lot of them they were great brands they did a great job back then so who knows
0: how much has the online whole stratosphere now that we're in the digital age has changed the purchasing in the clothing the selling the clothing just everything from when you look at it from carl canai compared to when you were back in the shop in la how do you compare that now and just how things have changed since then and if you were to have the shop say if you were just starting up now where is the market? Is it more out in L.A.? Is it more out in New York if you were to be in person? What's your take on that?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think L.A. is a great foundation because L.A. is a good spot because everybody comes through L.A. Every New York rapper, every Philly rapper, every D.C., everyone comes to L.A. At some point, you, you kind of could touch base with many artists here in L.A. So I feel like L.A. still is like a good spot to start a brand because you have the movie production studios are here. The Martin. Are here.
0: How, excuse me? You get you got your clothes featured in Martin. You had the own yeah, episode Mark, too.
1: Yeah, Martin, living living in living color. You know, we were we man, we've just been so blessed. Like, but you know, it's almost like we were here and ready for each moment to happen to us. So we weren't here sleeping, we we're here focused and ready every single day. So as you're ready. Opportunities come your way. You gotta be ready to a, to adjust and attack on spot. And that was always been our thing. That's why we were so successful back then. We just basically took our New York hustle and brought it to L.A.
0: And you dominated. And and about the store because you had everything robbed from it. How did you eventually get all these all this equipment back? How did you eventually get the pay get everything back? Because I know you guys were could barely afford McDonald's.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that was like a, that was a, a real. I wake in a true serum point, because at that point, you know, my mother really wanted me to come back to New York and leave Cali. She said it was too dangerous out here. And it wasn't even a a thought in my mind to go back. Like, there was no way I was going back to New York not being successful. It was just not going to happen. So I said, no, we ended up, I just, we just adjusted. The store got robbed on Crenshaw. I knew we couldn't live in a store anymore. So we decided to get an apartment in Hollywood and start doing a mail order out the apartment. So we said, forget the regular customers, do a mail order. So we got some money together. We did an ad in Ride On magazine. Ride On was one of the first hip hop publications before Vibe and Source. So we did an ad in there and that's what really kept us afloat by kids now seeing our stuff, ordering the stuff through the mail. And that's how it kept us going
0: for a while. And, and that was what really kept you going all the way up until the day. But the newer artists that were able to really relaunch, and the new artists that really take on the I is Migos.
1: Yeah, I mean, Quavo's a boy. You know, he hit me up. Nothing but love from Quavo. He said we want to rock it. He told me straight up, we want to blow this shit up like Biggie and Pac. That's exactly what he said. And what he said is what he did. You know, I like niggas is real. Quavo's a real one. So, you know, big ups to him and the whole Migos squad for rocking and Call Kana like that. That was really good because, you know, they was able to reintroduce it to the new generation, which is real
0: yeah no they they definitely have tell me about the stranger things collaboration because that that's huge that's the number one show on netflix so tell me about how this came about
1: yeah so you know our headquarters is in cologne germany stranger things you know we they they contacted us you know they says you know look we want to get with Carl kanai we feel like this brand touches the 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 market that we want and they'd be really cool to collab on this and he's like hell yeah let's do it the number one show and on netflix and Carl kanai so we sat down with them we got their logos we did a massive collection together. Stuff sold out literally in like three days. The whole collection was sold out. All the retailers. So it's so really cool. It it Again, it's just making the Carl Connery name more of a household name by us doing that with them. So I thought it was a great experience and looking forward to the next one.
0: Mm-hmm. What's the key to longevity in the fashion world when you look at it, especially how you've been able to evolve throughout the decades?
1: Focus, focus, focus. You can never live focused. You can't lose focus. You can't get to the point where like, oh, I'm successful, I don't need this anymore, I'm chilling. Because I think this business gives, you get out of it what you put into it, right? So you got to put that energy into it every day, nonstop, to get what you want. Because, you know, if not, there'd be somebody else out there that wants your spot, somebody else is a little bit hungrier than you. And, you know, that's the way it works. And you know, sometimes people get it to a certain point, they don't got it in them anymore. And that's why, and no one feels sorry for you when you're not successful anymore, because, you know, it's on to the next. So this is how much you really want it, it's what you get out of it.
0: Absolutely right about that. Carl, can I, is there anything else that you want to announce that you, or that you can announce that you have on the way for 2023 in the near future?
1: Yeah, well, you know, we have a lot of cologne out right now. This is distributed out in Europe. We sold over 500,000 bottles of the cologne the first week out. Um, That's it's big. Gonna be, it's going to be launching in the USA uh, 2024. So we're looking forward to that. So oh, yeah, my book is coming out at the end of the year.
0: Congrats uh, on that.
1: Thank you. the book Story on Carl Caniby. It definitely is a, a very good read because it is showing you more of the business side of things. It's showing you what it really takes for a young kid from the streets without any prior knowledge on the fashion industry to come in and dominate something that has never been done before. So we want to talk about all those things.
0: And that's what was going to be my question for you there was that is this going to transcend into a documentary, mini-series you want to translate is this to TV and film at all?
1: Absolutely. So we've been talking to people at NBC right now just waiting for the book to come out. And then we'll start trying to work on some scripts and things like that. But there's a story that needs to be told. Like, you know, everyone has the come up stories of hip hop, but it's never really been a come up story in terms of business. When I say business, I mean, take somebody who really, really just legitimately from the ghetto, just legitimately from the streets, who legitimately opened up a billion dollar industry that opened the doors up for so many people to come into this business. And I tell people this all the time. It takes one person who looks like you to achieve success on a certain level to make you feel like he could do it, I could do it. I'll give you an example. I tell my friends, imagine there was a kid from the inner city, right? Mm-hmm. Who started a line of toothpaste. I'm making this story up. Just imagine, right? A mm-hmm. kid from the inner city who started some toothpaste. Let's say his father was a dentist, kicked him an ID, started some toothpaste, and he marketed this toothpaste towards hip hop. And he became a multimillionaire off of toothpaste. He started competing with Crest and Colgate, right? Do you know how many kids right now will be trying to do toothpaste?
0: A lot of them. Why? Because they're seeing that it's making money. It's getting them notoriety in the product placement because everyone's getting it.
1: Yeah, but even more important than that, if a kid from the inner city sees another kid from the inner city achieve something, right? Mm. That's, all he need, that's all he needs to see. He needs to see somebody who, can, who, who he can relate He needs relate to see the to. success. He needs to see the success of somebody that he can relate to. He got to relate to this person. Now, if a kid from the inner city sees a white guy who makes the toothpaste, he blows up. He may say, okay, well, that's just white people. You know, black people can make, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what happened in fashion with me. There was nobody young and black from the streets who made good quality clothing that was in department stores, who broke down barriers, sitting next to Ralph and Calvin. Boy, once you do that, who, who opened the doors up? FUBU, Sean John, Rockaway, Nietzsche, boom, boom, boom. None of these brands existed before we existed, right? They all came after the fact. So, inspiration is real. Success is real, and that's what the brand is all about. Can I? It's a question. I want everybody to ask yourself: Can you? Can you succeed? Can you achieve success in life? Can you be a positive person, and be successful? And if you don't know the answer, every day you have to answer that question: Yes, I can. And that was the whole model of Can I? It's being a very inspirational, positive message to live for every day.
0: It's a powerful message, and just break it down the barriers. I did want to touch on this before we close out. Going, getting invited to the the White House to meet with the president, the first designer to present his line to a U.S. president. Yes, that's big time. That was real.
1: That was during Latin Latino Heritage Month, and um, you know, so I was born in Costa Rica. So they wanted a designer to come to the house, and my marketing people spoke to them. They was like, "We'll love and be honored to have Carl and I come in, put on a fashion show," and so we did. We went to the White House. We all had to get our security clearance ahead of time, and we put on one hell of a show. there. it was something really cool. It's something monumental. I just wish it was so. I wish, wish it was social media on back then. Yeah,
0: you know, <laughs> and uh, this was during the Bill Clinton era, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was really cool, man. It was a great experience for us to do that. And again, it's one of those things that we live in every moment, except each moment. And once we, and once we live in that moment, things are going to keep coming your way.
0: And I'm sure there's many moments coming your way. I think you're just getting started here because that's the mentality you have. You never had the mentality of working for someone else. You're your own entrepreneur.
1: No, nah, never that. You know, come over where we come from, bro. You can't do that. You know, there's so much time and energy being put into building your own thing. So you got to go out there and fulfill your dreams and make something happen. All the man is going to make your dreams happen but yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely right Carl can I I want to thank you for coming on the show here today I appreciate everything that you've done for just the fashion world as a whole because you're worldwide and global and most importantly hip-hop because you are the face of hip-hop streetwear clothing
1: nah man thank you I really appreciate that you know we'll continue to spread this message and um, teach the young generation about how streetwear started and honored to be on your show and appreciate the love
0: of course, man. Carl Kanai, take care. Stay safe out there. Enjoy your flight. I'm looking forward to this upcoming book and we would love to have you back on once I read it and go through it and come up with some questions here.
1: All right, let's do it for sure, man. We stay connected.
0: Yep. And, and shout out to Brandy for setting this up.
1: Absolutely. No doubt. We
0: already know they can follow you on Instagram and Twitter at Carl Kanai. Go check out the Carl Kanai clothing, carlkanai.com. Make your purchases now. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Salute, Carl. Enjoy the rest of your night. Take care. All
1: right. Thank you, bro. Yeah. Peace. Peace out. Bye.